Hello once again, Cougar football fans. We welcome you back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our Week 12 and Season Finale edition of the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up today, we will look back on a fourth straight win for the BYU Cougars, a 34-17 decision down in Statesboro, Georgia over the Georgia Southern Eagles. And we'll look ahead to this Saturday's regular season ender at USC as we visit with all three BYU coordinators today, defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb, and offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. We kick off today's show with DC and D-line coach Eli Satuiaki. Coach E, good to see you once again. Good to be back for the last show. We have reached the end. Yeah, a lot of work goes into the final week ahead of USC for sure, but uh, it's been a long grind. It's been a successful long grind. Nine wins in 11 games. Yeah, that's uh, feels feels like uh, feels like it's it's been so long, but it has gone fast. So let's start with this reminder um, of how depleted your defense has been and how hard you guys have had to work to stay on track. When the season began, you had Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, Keenan Ellis, Lorenzo Fautea, Chaz Ayu, to name five. You played Saturday without any of those guys available. It's about half of a defensive starting lineup, E. And yes, it's football; guys get hurt, but it's been it's been a challenging year that way. It's it's been it's been tough uh, with injury, and you know sometimes you you have good luck. Sometimes uh, you know the luck isn't so much in your favor, and it's just one of those deals with it being a physical game. But um, felt like the boys that uh, we've we've called on to to, to step up and and uh, play have have done a good job. I mean they've they've uh, you know to to try to. Played good stout defense with a lot of guys with not as much experience, a little bit harder, but those guys have done a really good job. You lost Peyton Wilgar um, between your 10th game and your 11th game. Didn't have him going into Georgia Southern. Yeah, yeah. Peyton Wilgar is, uh, didn't play this game and he'll be out the rest of the year. And so he's uh, another one that we're putting up on the shelf and, and uh, hopefully comes back, uh, you know, beginning of fall camp ready to go. So without Peyton, you opened uh, Georgia Southern's game with two linebackers. You were in a 4-2-5 to start, right? You were in nickel to start. Uh, Max Tooley, Ben Bywater uh, at linebacker. Then you lost Tooley uh, to a targeting call in the game. So another next man up kind of game for your guys on defense. Yeah, yeah. It's really the we've taken a, a huge hit at the linebacker spot. And I think Coach Clune's doing a good job just trying to get those guys get those guys going and, and uh, getting them prepared. And a lot of youth, a lot of guys just don't have a lot of experience. But... You know, losing a guy like Max with how violent he plays is, um, you know, unfortunate for that one. But Yeah, what do you think of the call? I guess when I saw it live, I felt like he was seeing what he was hitting. I felt like his head was a little more up. I guess they felt it was down enough that it was more crown of the helmet. And Yeah, I, don't, I, I just don't know now. You know, you see so many calls just on, when you're watching games where some of them are, are blatantly, you know, just uh, hitting somebody who's defenseless and all that stuff. But this, you'd almost say, is a... Is, is exactly how you'd like it done. Put kind of a trademark tackle in a way, yeah, but it's just, it's just yeah. tough. Just don't know really. Yeah. Don't know how they call them anymore. Let's look at the game itself. Uh, Georgia Southern got the ball to open the game, and they strung together uh, quite a few first downs on a solid first drive. They got only a field goal at the end of it, mind you. Uh, they were starting a third stringer at quarterback as well. And besides that, they also gave you a few different looks at quarterback at that, at that spot at least throughout the day. Right, yeah. They, you know, they, they're uh, – had a good scheme coming in. Obviously, what they were doing, even with their first two quarterbacks, was, was hard, dip, uh, difficult to defend. And and uh, I think the tempo of the game, uh, playing an option team, coming off a bye week, um, kind of got got us got us a little bit as far as just the the temp, the speed of the game. And so up front, we needed to settle down. We needed to kind of get banged up a little bit, get get punched in the face to 
to uh, you know really settle in, and, and it, took, it took a couple drives for us to do that. The first drive that we just saw there went 13 plays, lasted almost eight minutes. Uh, it was the longest drive of the day by a number of plays and duration. 11 of the 13 plays were rushes. Uh, were you having some Coastal Carolina flashbacks a little bit in that opening drive by how Coastal played last Yeah, time? yeah, and I think a lot of it was uh, the same situation, too, where we played Coastal off of two bye weeks, and so... You know, when you're doing that, and you you know you're you're not you don't get you don't get the speed of the game, and you're missing that coming back in sometimes, especially against an option team, um, it, t- it takes you a couple snaps for the guys to you know the pad level is a little bit too high, the hands are hands aren't as good as they should be, and it takes them a little you know a couple snaps to just really um, get the speed of the game down. And you know it's something that you always talk about as a coach. You try to simulate as much as you can without losing guys to injury, but. Uh, there's nothing like game speed, and it, I mean, they showed in the first drive where we really, as we talking talking about it in the booth, it was there wasn't anything schematically that we needed to change. It was really just settle the settle the boys down and and get them playing with better technique and better pad level and and more physicality, and we'd be all right. So held them to that field goal, down three nothing after one drive. BYU then scores touchdowns on its first two possessions. You're up 14 to three. Game kind of felt like it was in hand a little bit. Um, Georgia Southern. Then goes on two touchdown drives, and it was really chunk plays. Not the huge plays, but the passes 10 to 20 yards, the rushes 10 to 15 yards. Some of those bigger plays, there were six of those in the two scoring drives they had there in the second quarter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some of those passes. I mean, obviously, when you're playing an option team, that's that's the thing that uh, you know d- difficult to defend when you're trying to try to be a little bit more physical and show up in the run, a little, maybe a little bit faster to to run support, and then you leave some guys open, and and uh, you know they took advantage of that and. And, uh, you know, just they had a couple of big runs, too. We just ended up in bad spots. But we've, uh, <clears throat> you know, tried try to find a way to, to get a couple stops and get off the field and, and get our guys settled in and changing a couple things schematically. You did have two three and outs defensively to end the half. Um, and then BYU kicked two field goals itself. So you're up 2017 uh, at the break. Heading into halftime, how would you feel about things? Uh, yeah, just, you know, we we had some discussion just about some things that we could have done schematically a little bit different, maybe moving the front a little bit different. And, and uh, you know, I think once we came out of halftime, just uh, getting the boys settled in and playing with a little bit better technique. And I thought that, uh, you know, the halftime adjustment obviously worked and yeah. the boys did a really good job. It was all BYU in the second half down in Statesboro. When we come back, uh, how BYU shut down and then shut out Georgia Southern after halftime. And we'll get uh, Coach E's Defensive Players of the Week as well. As we head to this break, this reminder that BYU football with Kalani Sitake, which also includes Mark Pope tomorrow night, will air Tuesday, 6.30 Mountain Time on the BYU TV app. And we have a live studio audience. Go to the seat request link you'll see on my Twitter feed, and we can see you here with us in Studio C tomorrow night. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more right after this. Play fake on a straight back drop. Sigelski into double coverage, and it is intercepted again. Jacob got it again. Jacob Robinson with his second interception, and that one was tremendous. Jacob Robinson leaping to the near sideline. Brings it down in bounds and a second takeaway for BYU, both courtesy of Jacob Robinson. 
All right, back on the coordinator's corner, we continue with BYU defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Eli Satuiaki. BYU now 9-2 on the season, ranked 13th in the AP poll. We'll see where BYU is tomorrow in the new CFP rankings. Cougs were 14th there last week. Well, BYU this past Saturday defeating Georgia Southern, 34-17 in Statesboro on a beautiful day for football. And how about that BYU crowd you had down in Georgia Saturday afternoon? That, that, was, that was impressive, really impressive, just I was on the box side looking across to the yeah. opposite side, and the whole second deck was, was completely filled. And really, there were, there were uh, spots of, of Royal all over the place on our side and the other side. It was just, it would be interesting to see how many of ours versus theirs were there. Yeah, it was pretty, I was in the same vantage point as you were. And so the lower deck on the opposite side, you could tell that was where season ticket holders and others might be. It was kind of sparse, but the entire upper deck was just jam-packed with royal blue. Right. Uh, you know, BYU did an excellent job turning out, and that's the th it's not surprising to you. It doesn't surprise you ever, but it's always gratifying. That's, that's, that's one of the cool things just about BYU. Um, I mean, the fans travel and, you know, just talking to a lot of them um, after the game, just where they're coming from, just around the, the different states and everything has been really been really been impressive. Maybe one of the neat things I think in the Big 12 that they'll be seeing too is, uh, you know, BYU, Big 12 teams and their fan bases will find that BYU fans will find those venues. Right. Uh, those who are just within hours of driving distance will get there for those games. I think we'll see the same thing in the new league as well. Yeah, yep, that's right. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, I haven't seen this anywhere else that I've ever been. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable, but it's, I mean, credit to the fans and just the culture of the fans. It's really, really cool to see. Back to the uh, second half of that game. You led 2017 at halftime. Pitched a second half shutout. Uh, always what you want to see. It was kind of a tale of two halves defensively. First half, uh, they ran more plays than BYU. Um, they had, you know, Possession time was in their favor. They wanted ball control. Second half, you guys flipped that right around. BYU ran a ton more plays and about a two-to-one uh, possession time advantage in your favor in the second half. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, once once we settled down, I thought, you know, coming out, you know, obviously some of the things that we discussed earlier about the bye week, playing an option team, and just, you know, they did a really good job uh, physically running the ball. And, uh, you know, when we came back out in the second half, I uh, thought the boys reset themselves and, and uh, came out more physical, you know, um, more hungry to, try to make plays and, and did a really good job in you know, all, all phases of the, of the game. So you use the word reset, physical, hungry. Uh, were there other tactical adjustments that had to be made that you did make at halftime that put the, that put the clamps on Georgia Southern in the second half? We, we changed a little bit. In the, in the first half, we were playing a little bit more of a, an option-oriented coverage, and we were playing a three-man front primarily. Um, but sometimes when they're getting into the bigger personnel and just their imposter quarterback, their wildcat quarterback, mm -hmm. the front wasn't as good. And so we, we uh, played a little bit more four down front, um, had to change that. And then our coverage, we really started to go away from the option option uh, uh, coverage and played a little bit more just really drop eight and um, cover two. And so that ended up being good for us. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the front adjustment uh, held up held up better. The <clears throat> get a lot of feedback really from the players just mm. when, we're doing we're doing this right now. We're thinking about this. What do you guys think? And they tell us what they prefer. And then we try something or just switch something. They'll come back. And that was I know, uh, one of the, the the adjustments just after series was the boys were like, we need to play this front. This is like this. We feel the best in this. And so we ended up playing a lot more four down in the second half. Do you have a point man you go to on the headset among players down there? Who do you want to hear from? Uh, really, I, not not somebody specifically. Obviously, the guys with more experience are the ones that speak up more. But um, you know, one of the guys just off the top of my head that really is vocal about it is uh, 
uh, Caden Hawes. Caden Hawes, with the experience that he has playing O line, and mm -hmm. also just with the you know him being a starter, you know, nice as another guy, and uh, Gabe Summers is another guy. Those guys are really vocal about okay, this is what we need to do. Feel feel really good about this front. Feel feel like they're struggling in this. Feel like we can hold up a little bit more than this, and so. Um, you know, we'll listen to what they have to say, and right. sometimes it's we'll listen to what I have to say and say, you know what, no, that that's not the best thing for the team right now. We really need you to just, you know, to to relish your role right now and playing this, and and they 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 rise to the occasion in that too. We came into the segment seeing Jacob Robinson's second interception, two picks for Jacob on the day. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, he's he's been he's been amazing to see play. I mean, you know, the 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 fact that he. You know, got a couple of snaps during COVID year at Utah State and transferred to us and just come to us. I mean, he's been really, really fun to coach, really be fun to be a part of. I mean, humble kid, um, great locker room kid, you know, obviously great ball skills. Yeah. He's a really good player. And so, and he's he, he has been the, the guy for us, at least this year, that you weren't expecting much of. You thought he'd be a little bit more of a depth player, but he's played nickel, he's played corner, he's played safety for us, and he's really moved around with all the things that we've had to do. and and uh, is doing a really good job. Another clean day offensively. The two takeaways defensively. BYUE is second nationally now in turnover margin. 13th in takeaways, 8th in passes picked. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big part of nine wins. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've, you know, obviously we, as a defense, feel like we need to get more. We need to get more takeaways. But it's just an amazing job by our offense taking care of the football. I and mean, we take care of the football, obviously we – we we uh, we win games and we've got to get we've got to get more takeaways on defense and offense just got to keep taking care of the ball like they have been. Let's get to our players of the week and a decent segue with the turnover tally being talked about because uh, the guy who had the two interceptions, Jacob Robinson, is one of your two defensive players of the week from Georgia Southern. Yep, big uh, huge plays by Jacob Robinson and just uh, the way that he showed up and you know even in the run games done a really good job and then the other one's Tyler Batty and you know on that second interception, Tyler Batty had a really good uh, hurry on the quarterback, a hit on the quarterback, but he's playing really good football right now. Just. The physicality, just the play recognition. I mean, he's he's starting to play like a like a veteran, and um, you know all the snaps that he has under his belt now, and is really really showing up. But both of the, those two players are were huge for us this game. All right, so BYU gets two nine and two by defeating Georgia Southern. Now it's on to USC. Some early week thoughts on the Trojans, Coach Tuiaki. Yeah, you know, obviously they're 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 going through whatever they're going through with with losing their head coach, but um, they're still USC. I mean, you watch them on film, just. Uh, really, really good players. They're fast. They're big. They're physical. They've got capability to score a lot of points. And um, you know they're going back and forth right now with with their two quarterbacks. And you know they, Jackson Dart was the one that played for him this last game. And mm -hmm. I was really, really impressed with him. You know, just having just having glimpses of of Dart playing in the other games with Keaton Slovis playing a little bit more. Uh, Jackson Dart played primarily. You know, he really played this whole game. Yeah. And the longer the game went on, they blitzed him. They they try to. I think UCLA came in thinking we're going to blitz this young quarterback, and I thought the more they blitzed and the longer the game went on, the better he got. And so we're, we've got a big task ahead of us just with, with an offense like that, and, and uh, we've got to put a, put a game plan together, and the boys will be excited to get down there. Be a fun night at the Coliseum, late night game Saturday night, and certainly Southern California will bring out a number of BYU fans into the building too. That's right. That's right. It'll, we, we travel well no matter where we go. So we, we talked a little bit about CFP rankings coming up uh, tomorrow night. How much do you allow yourself uh, to even involve, uh, how much interest do you have in that conversation? Uh, CFP rankings, postseason speculation, New Year's Six talk, strength of schedule, all that stuff. Where are you on all this? For me personally, 
almost zero. You know, it's just the control that you can control and just make sure that you're ready to play. And we've got to make sure that we're, we're you know, get the boys prepared and, and ready to go. And sometimes those conversations, I mean, as, as fun as they are for fans and, and, and I'm talking my siblings, my, you know, my relatives are always bugging me about it. I'm just like, <laughs> I've got no interest in those kind of conversations. It's really just about getting the boys ready and, and uh, having them prepped. And, and uh, really the only thing that we can control is just if we keep winning, then, you know, obviously we've got a shot and whatever happens with all the other stuff will happen. But we've got to make sure the boys are ready to play this weekend. But it's satisfying, rewarding to be talked about, to be a top 15 team, be in the CFP, and be on the verge of a double-digit win regular season. That's impressive. Yeah, it's, it's been huge. I, I was coming down from the box after the game, just, you know, A-Rod and I were talking, and, and uh, when, you know, to say the word nine and two just mm. at this point in the in the season, I mean, it's just a, a, it's been an amazing year, and um, you know we, we've got to keep keep it going. Well, it's been a great year with you too, E. It's uh, this is your final appearance on our season finale, so thank you uh, for the weekly insight, the conversations. Always good to have you in here. We look forward to next year too. Appreciate everything you do for us. All right, thank you. That is Coach Elisa Tuiaki. As we head to a break, a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads. JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now Harriman. This weekend, BYU plays at USC. Tune in to Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio starting at 8.30 p.m., 6.30 Mountain. That's Saturday night. Eastern time, 8.30, 6.30 Mountain. You got it. All right, coming up next, the special teams coordinator, Ed Lamb, will join us in Studio C. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with Coach Lamb next. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU down to its final game of the regular season. After improving to 9-2 with a 34-17 win at Georgia Southern on Saturday, Cougs now 13th in the AP poll, 15th in the coaches poll. BYU at USC to close out the regular season. Trojans 4-6, needing to win out to become bowl eligible. Let's welcome in now BYU Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, good to see you once again. Hi, Greg. Thanks. It is our season finale, final show uh, for all of us. Um, to Georgia Southern, quickly, uh, deja vu at all? Uh, late season, Sunbelt, conference game, a similar maybe offensive style uh, to what Coastal Carolina gave you. Not as good as Coastal, but the kind of team that wants to go late in clocks, limit possessions. There were some similarities, I felt. A lot of similarities, yeah. A lot of similarities in our preparation and what we thought we would want to do uh, defensively, especially with the similarity on offense. And, um, and a lot of the same logistical challenges traveling back to the East Coast and playing a team that is really excited to have you know, a, a program caliber of BYU in, at their place. So we got, I thought, felt like we got their best effort. We did see more fans in the stands at Georgia Southern than we did at Coastal and a lot of BYU fans. And uh, I don't, regardless of your vantage point, Royal Blue was a prominent color on Saturday. It was, yeah. We really were aware of, of the BYU fans and where they were for the most part congregated on the, on the visitor side upper deck so we could hear them and, mm -hmm. and feel them and felt the support. That never gets old, does it? No, it's, well, <laughs> it really is. Um, even though I think we've grown to expect it, it still is a shock to see that number of fans that far away from home and, and to realize that that's, yeah, I, I don't know if, if we're the only program, but I, I've got to think there's, there's not, there's not a handful of programs in America that can draw that far away from home that consistently. Absolutely. I, I always anticipate that moment when the team runs onto the field for the roar you get and how it must take either 
the home players or the home crowds off guard a little bit to like the amount of noise that this team from Utah is generating on our field. Yeah, the noise, and then and then typically you've got the in-game BYU chant that starts yeah. up, and then the and then the just completely uh, catches the, the home crowd off guard and they try to come back, but BYU yeah. generally drowns them out. That's pretty awesome. Well, um, to the game. Uh, the run-heavy, kind of slow play style of game really only works if you can either get a lead or stay in a close game. And in the first half, that was kind of what Georgia Southern uh, did for the most part. Oh, sure was. They found some excellent ways to, to move the ball. They moved the ball between the tackles. They moved the ball on the edge with a screen series that was a, a little bit uh, of a new wrinkle for them. They found some ways to get stops and, and force field goals against our offense and, uh, and, and got a fourth down stop. And you know, they really found some ways to hang in there in the game. And, and I really credit our guys because a panic can set in in those moments. Mm. It's, a, it's a long way from home. We're coming off a bye week. Getting back into the speed of the game is always hard. When it's the speed of, a game, speed of the game against an option opponent, it's even harder. There were a lot of challenges there to overcome. Yeah, we saw those first drive challenges in particular. It was Georgia Southern's longest drive of the game in terms of number of plays and duration. And a good thing is it ended up with only a field goal stiffened up. Uh, but how would you describe that feeling out process, particularly early in that game? Well, there were two things that were really getting us. One of them was just the speed of the game. Our, their offensive line was firing off lower than our defensive line. Uh, we expected them to be a little bit more side, sideways in their run game, and they were more downhill. And so we made some adjustments that way with just the way we were displacing our front, uh, front four, really the whole front seven. And then the other challenge that they had for us early was they threw a couple of uh, swing passes that kept the drive going and got them 10 to 15-yard plays. And, and you know those can, those can really spark a drive, and they did for them. BYU didn't get its first offensive touch until 7:14 was left in the first quarter. That's the latest opening drive for BYU this season. But two first, uh, two drives, two touchdowns for BYU on offense. 14-3 lead. You're kind of cruising. Then a turnover on downs. George Southern gets a shot in the arm. You found yourselves actually trailing a 17-14 here in the first half. That's right. There were a lot of gut check moments in that in that first half, and the, the time you're describing is one of them. There were there were several. There were a half dozen times when I thought our, our team or a team could have could have folded, could have let the pressure get to them, turned on each other, felt like today's just not our day, and started making excuses. And uh, and they didn't. The boys didn't. They hung in there together. The energy kept growing on our sideline, kept growing from from Kalani, and he's always the leader that way. And I, I, th I felt like he stayed positive, the team stayed positive, and we were able to find our way back in. Georgia Southern had another one of those teams that got BYU's offensive line off balance at times with shifts and calls. I, I think even actually calls. Uh, calls are kind of illegal, right? I mean, when you're, when you're uh, simulating s uh, snap counts and hikes and things like that? It's a gray area of, offici of officiating, and, and the officials would like to see it change too. Obviously, the officials don't make the rules, and so there's a, there's some gray area there on what a defense would be allowed to call and and how, I guess, violently or forcefully they could make that call, and and you know to stay out of a staccato rhythm, I think would would be in the spirit of the rules, but it's just an area of the game, much like a run pass option with linemen downfield. Mm. The mechanics of the officials and who's supposed to make the call and, and whether or not the rule is black and white, it's just not there. And so sometimes we, we just have to be prepared for a little bit different interpretation by a different crew. And as Kalani says as well, it's only um, a violation if the official hears what the guys at the line hear. That's right. They, they've got to hear it and then they've got to, they've got to determine that it's uh, deliberately mimicking the offensive snap count. And that's, again, there's some, there's some gray area there. Mm. It's, it's, it really should be... Uh, from my perspective, a rule that reads more like uh, the defensive guys are not 
permitted to communicate to be verbal this yeah. group of words. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying something like that. Maybe yeah. colors. The defense owned the colors, and you know I'm not a, I'm not a rules expert, <laughs> but uh, that would just to me that to to be a more black and white rule would yeah. take away a lot because defensively we're you know we're almost forced to make decisions on okay what can we get away with if other teams are going to do it then we we don't want to give away that advantage we should right. do the same and so there right now that's a discussion going on nationwide in college football we'll see where it goes but it's so it is being talked about you think at, oh, at, most definitely yeah, yeah. And, and officials are always upfront about rules that they would like to see clarified so that they can officiate the game more effectively they they want to do that okay uh, you were leading 2017 at halftime you came back and went ahead on a couple field goals uh, Ryan Rico no punts in the first half uh, Jake did make both of his field goals tries in the kicking game felt like it was a perfect day did you see kind of that way or there are a lot of things were there things you wanted to cleaned up um yeah I, I felt like the the you know the, the kicking specialist the uh, uh, ryan rico had a great game jake oldroyd had a had a really solid game a couple of the, the his kickoffs got hung up in the wind and and uh, he's usually able to kick touchbacks when we when we call for that and so, we saw his first kickoff out of bounds of the season and then it, and yeah. the kickoff went out of bounds yeah. and that was just kind of over swinging into the wind so it was still kind of a wind issue the wind was uh, swirling up high a little stronger up high than it was on the field so i, I thought there were areas where he could where we could improve on that I, uh, you know, where there wasn't much opportunity in the punt return game. We had a, we had a close call in the kickoff return game uh, with their surprise onside kick. So mm -hmm. there were there, there's always areas where we can execute better for sure. What was your comfort level uh, with the three-point lead at halftime on Saturday? Uh, zero comfort level. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I would say there, there's two different things. That, you know, as far as the, um, the, the motivation, um, the intensity at that time to get better, I was on I was on high alert, and I think uh, you know everyone on our coaching staff and our team was. But I, I do have great confidence in the character of this current team, the leadership of this current team, and I felt a calmness in the locker room at halftime, um, which you know was clear. It was clearly communicated amongst us all, like, okay, here's what's going on. Here are some adjustments that need to be made. Here's how we pull out the victory and, and come away with this thing in the way, that, in the fashion that we want to. And I thought, you know, from that perspective, a job well done. Yeah, second half shutout, testament to that. Uh, get pregame coverage of BYU's this Saturday showdown at USC on BYU TV's Countdown to Kickoff, Saturday at 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain Time. Coming up next, we'll continue our conversation with BYU Special Teams Coordinator and Safeties Coach, Assistant Head Coach, Ed Lamb. This is the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. More with the coach after this. Right hash kick, a 38-yard field goal try from Oldroyd, splits the uprights. It's through for three. BYU goes back in front by a score of 20 to 17. Those are the game-winning points on Saturday. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU 9-2 on the season, prepping to face 4-6 USC Saturday at the Coliseum in L.A. Visiting with BYU special teams coordinator and safeties coach, assistant head coach Ed Lamb. Uh, coach Lamb, the fact that BYU is 9-2, uh, considering the schedule, uh, the sheer number of serious injuries and games lost by first stringers, I think it's a really impressive record. Uh, it, it has been, yeah. I, I, being in the locker room and working with the players, it's it's the final record. I I wouldn't say it's always as indicative of how satisfying things are. It's just seeing guys individually and collectively overcome the ups and downs of their of their college football career and the season, and and I can just. I can point my finger to so many different guys on the team and, and so many different units on the team that have, have struggled, prepared, gotten better, in, improved, and the kind of success that they're having, I'm so, I'm so glad to be a part of it. Do any players or groups come to mind that really stick out to you right now? Sure, I mean, uh, you know, Jacob Robinson had a, had a tremendous game, but, but there's a guy who we, you know, we recruited him out of high school, 
Um, he, you know, he, he did. He chose to go to Utah State and um, put himself in a in a position where we were able to get him back here and to see him go from, you know, somewhere on the depth chart, not starting early in the year, and now he's in a starting position and making plays. And he's, he's brought so much to our team. Caleb Hayes is, is another similar, you know, in the defensive backfield, a similar position. Uh, Jaron Hall coming in, uh, fighting for the quarterback job, and now just really solidifying through his play. And everybody's still got a lot of confidence in Baylor. And you know, just to, just to see guys, the way that the program develops, and then the way they support each other, regardless of their role. Uh, I could I could go through each position group mm. and find guys that have just been an inspiration to me. Back to your Georgia Southern game for a moment. A lot of four-two-five defensively. How much of that formation is a function of opponent? How much is a function of, well, no Peyton Wilgar on the field, for example, an important linebacker that you didn't have? Sure. Yeah, that, that's a real challenge for us. And, and starting to mount, you know, when it's first it's Keenan and, and we make some adjustments and then, and then um, you know, Peyton goes out, we have to make new adjustments. And then in the in game, game, you Max, lose a targeting Max call. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so quite, quite a few challenges there for us um, uh, defensively with personnel. But yeah, we, we actually started the game in an odd front. In a, in a three-man front, and then we, we finished the game or played the middle part of the game in more of a four-man front, and then we're able to kind of bring home the win and keep the ball in front of us with, a, with an odd front again and, and playing more drop-eight coverage. But, um, yeah, the, a lot of challenges throughout the game, a lot to consider, a lot of punch, counter-punch with our defense and their offense. Haven't had Chaz Ayu for a little bit. Uh, does he get back this season, do we think? Yeah, we sure hope. He was, uh, he was dressed for the game, ready to go uh, prior to the game. And, you know, just, just between he and the training staff, they, they made a decision there where it wasn't, wasn't the right move to get uh, reps in the game. But he's been getting reps in practice. He's, he's close. In tune. He's mentally, yeah, and, and, and we don't bring anyone that we don't anticipate playing on defense, and we, we really wanted to play him. Okay. Uh, it was a turnaround at halftime at Georgia Southern. BYU had the ball for 21 of 30 minutes in the second half. Lower possession game, lower number of possessions, uh, but you scored two touchdowns and pitched a second-half shutout. That's all you want to, to, to win the way you did. Yeah, that's, that's offense, defense working together. I thought our offense found its stride a little bit in, in possessing the ball better on, in the second half, and our defense uh, got off the field better, got the, the turnover, of course, help in, in shortening drives and limited scoring. And uh, you know, when, the, when the team's playing together like that, really, we, we have the ability to pull away from anyone. I thought we got uh, Georgia Southern's best effort of the year. And they've been, they're a team that's been getting better. You know, they've got Clay Hilton, the new head coach there. He's watching practice. He, all the coaches are auditioning for jobs. Mm -hmm. And all the players are auditioning to, to stay on the team for next year. So they really do have a renewed energy with their program. And, and I thought it was a good quality win for us. Special teams note, uh, Ryan Rico wasn't called on to punt until the second half, and his, fir his first boot was a beauty. Um, great hang time and depth combined with excellent coverage. Sometimes on kicks that long, there's enough room to get a decent return, and it was almost no return. It was really, really difficult at times to get uh, coverage on kicks that long. There's opportunities there for the hold-up team to continue to hold up, but, but uh, Jacob Boren was the first one down. You can see as you're watching this right here, Chris Jackson, even our snapper Austin Riggs is down there in the vicinity. So three guys on the scene, and we're able to keep that to a minimum return. What a great net punt. Let's get to your – by the way, uh, BYU is one of the top 15 teams in the country right now in, in net punt, one of the metrics you look at. There are, there are others, but net, net punt's a good one. Yeah, net punt's the only one for me. I mean, you, there's a lot of punters that can go out there and kick low-line drives and, and have great punting, but Ryan really works hard at getting what, what we call commensurate hang time with distance. And so on a 63-yard punt, we want 6.3 hang time. That's hard to do. Mm. And, uh, and we're not always there, but the, but the important part is it's important to Ryan to make sure that our, that our distance matches our hang time. So a tenth of a second per yard? Yes. Okay. Uh, USC. The, oh, no. Uh, special teams players of the week, first of all. Let's get to those. Uh, who'd you identify uh, in your uh, neck of the woods for 
honors this week? Yeah, the, the top rock was Ryan Rico for just, he, he rocked that punt, I guess would be a way to, to <laughs> define it. Excellent job there. Earl uh, Mariner actually blocked a punt. That it ended up yeah. getting a rollout, yeah. so the, yeah. the, the net result wasn't quite what you'd see on a normal block punt, but he got a, he got a good piece of it, uh, went right through their shield, did a nice job there with his courage and execution. And then Jacob Bourne, he racked up three different tackles uh, on the night and a uh, tremendous game for him. And, and he does that every week. Tremendous, tremendous job and effort by Jacob. And getting a number of snaps on the defensive side as well for you. He does, yeah, every week. And, and he's a guy that we feel like generally coming out of most games, we feel like he could have or should have played more. Now he's playing the same position as Jacob Robinson. And, and so, you know, whether whether we needed to take out Jacob Robinson more to put out Jacob Bourne, it's, it's not that I don't know that that's really the end result that we're looking for or the, or the end criteria. We have a high level of confidence in Jacob Bourne. That's the point I'm making. Okay. Uh, you've been into USC for a little bit already. Uh, you do kind of the advanced scouting, maybe. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, thoughts on the Trojans who come in uh, four and six. They got a COVID game rescheduled to after BYU. This was supposed to be their regular season finale. They'll now play Cal the week after you. So the way they look at it, they've got to win out to be eligible for the postseason. So there's something riding on it for them as well. Um, a thumbnail on the Trojans, perhaps, from you. Yeah, as, as you'd expect, they're, they've got a lot of talent. They've got talent in their in their play, playing ability. They've got talent in their in their in their coaching roster. You know, we know these guys have been around the game a long time. They've got, uh, I think, this senior class for for USC was the top ranked recruiting class nationally when they were when they came in. Uh, a ton of ability. You know, there's there's a, a a lot of reasons why a team is you know not necessarily firing on all cylinders in all games. You've seen it with us in games and and throughout the season. The teams can play up and down a little bit. I think I think we have to play our best game. We have to be prepared to do that every week, and especially this week, we're playing them at home. They're they're playing with their backs to the wall as far as bowl game eligibility, and uh, we we feel like it's a uh, you know a, a worthy opponent of everything we've got. To stay in New Year's Six eligibility, and yes, BYU's in the mix. Every game is a must-win, and you've been doing that. You've strung a number of wins together here at a really important time. Yeah, and I think um, you know the fact that uh, I think I think there's a maturity level that teams that programs can achieve when you're in that conversation year in and year out. And, uh, you know, I, I can remember last year, it was much more in the forefront of a lot of player conversations. You walk through the locker room and hear things, all oh, the, the playoff committee is not ranking us as highly as they should be, et cetera. And now, um, you know, I think that that's, our team is over that. It's mm. a mature team. We're looking at, okay, who's the next opponent? That's what we can control. And I think, uh, I think there's advantages to, uh, you know, kind of winning year after year after year and being in that national discussion. Well, Coach Lamb, this is, this is our season finale. Uh, thank you for another great year of insight and commentary and conversation. I look forward to it every Monday. I know our viewers do as well, and thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I look forward to it, too. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Ed. All right, time for a break. When we come back, we'll bring in offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick for our final segments of this season as the coordinator's corner continues. We are brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, and we're back with more and Coach A-Rod after this. They go for the end zone to Puka. Puka makes the catch, turns back to the ball. He's got a touchdown! Touchdown, Puka Nakua! Jaron Hall to Puka for the second time today. Back on the coordinator's corner in our season finale. BYU wrapping up its 2021 regular season slate this Saturday in L.A. at USC. For our final two segments of this day and this season, we say hello to BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. Coach Roderick, good to see you once again. Good to be here. All right, uh, let's uh, get to the weekend we just had. And first up, hit the atmosphere in Statesboro, Georgia. How would you describe the vibe? Uh, it was unique. Yeah, you know, smaller stadium. Uh, coaches, we had to walk up a grass hill. 
and then through uh, a bunch of fans in the concessions area and then up some stairs and it was quite an adventure just getting to the booth uh just you know it was, it was different uh, but every week is its own experience you know and we've been talking about that all year just embrace whatever's in front of us and just enjoy it you know and make the most of it i'm sure you enjoyed looking out from the coach's booth across the field to a sold-out upper deck of Royal yeah, Blue BYU really fans. Cool. That, that, I'm glad you mentioned that, yeah, because we had you and I had similar. Uh, you were right next to us, right? And that right. Booth next door, yeah, it was pretty cool. Right, that whole area over there was just all all blue. The lower deck was kind of hit and miss, and then yeah. the upper deck is jam packed, and that's very, all your people. Very cool. And we Kalani mentioned that to the team in in uh, the locker room when we very first got there. He just said, "Hey, mo most of these people traveled." you know, good distance to be here. And th these are the fans that don't get to see you every week like our fans at home. He yeah. said, let's, let's make sure we embrace them and put on a show. Yeah, I never get tired of that view or the sights or the sounds yeah. so far away from home. It's a really unique thing in college football. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you didn't see the ball in offense until more than half of the first quarter had been played. Yeah. Um, it was the latest first drive you've had. Uh, you got a pretty good idea early that this was not going to be a high possession game if yeah. Georgia Southern had its way. Yeah, yet yet another team who was using the entire play clock. We were, yep. They were signaling their plays in, and uh, we were watching their offensive coordinator was signaling the plays in at about 20 seconds left on the play clock. And then, you know, so they're just, just getting on the ball sometimes yep. with 10, 10 seconds left on the clock. It was, it was interesting. So it's imperative you do uh, with the ball what you did when you got the ball. Back-to-back -back touchdowns on your first two possessions. First drive, a little more methodical, 12 plays. Uh, you threw on four of your first five snaps in the game. Was this something you had designed going in? We're going to hit them here. Yeah, we wanted to come out throwing. They, their safeties play really low, to, you know, and we thought they were going to continue to do that to try and stop Tyler and, and basically dare us to throw the ball outside. So that's what we did. Uh, Tyler did get you down there uh, in position for your first score, and then little Peeney gets you in the end zone. Yeah. Uh, good physical run by Peeney. You know, usually we're used to Tyler being the guy that breaks tackles and Peeney. Uh, this, this was a physical touchdown run that Peeney had and, and you know Tyler did what he always does uh, you know he punishes those guys and we were running the ball a lot though into tough looks where there were just two safeties that we couldn't block we were just outnumbered and uh, see Peeney get spun around yeah and Peeney, Peeney that was a good physical run and really proud of him second drive first play of the possession Jaron Hall to Puka Nakua for 42 yards, and then three plays later, you're back to Puka for that little screen TD. Um, he's clearly a feature receiver. He, he plays and looks and performs like a feature receiver. Yeah, he's productive, you know, and where he's, I think he's something like 12 yards of carry, carrying the football as a, as a runner, um, and he's making plays down the field, and uh, we're just making sure we try to give him enough chances every game. And then it was awesome to have Gunnar Romney back. I mean, yeah. Gunner made some really good plays. Uh, that that post we just saw was a good catch, and he made good run on jet sweep and just played a really solid game. And it was it was so nice to have him back. And, See, he, and he made an awesome block on this touchdown, by the way. That that play, he really effectively blocked two guys. Mm -hmm. uh, and and that's a play we've been practicing a while, and Gunner executed it perfectly. We're going to see that play once again. Uh, the screen, I think we're going yeah. to see uh, Depuka for the touchdown. As yeah, yeah, this is a play where Jaron can either hand the ball off, or if, if the matchup is right outside, the alignment is what we want. He can throw the screen to Puka. The trick, the key to the play though, is the block. You need you need your outside receiver to attract the guy who's covering him, and then 
crack block the guy on Puka. And, and he got both. And Gunner got both guys and, and did it perfectly. Yep. So Gunner had to miss, let's see, had to miss the Virginia game. Yeah. Idaho State, and then a bye week. So the, basically a month between when he yeah. got hurt, when he came. It was just enough time for him, right? Yeah, it was enough time to get healthy. And, and uh, you know, he's played enough football here that he didn't look rusty at all to me. He, he looked like he never left. You're up 14-10 after a Georgia Southern touchdown. You get a break when you, they have a guy out of bounds, touching out of bounds on an onside kick, which they had recovered. So you had a short field. Uh, then you get to third and two, fourth and two, and ended up giving it up on downs. Uh, what were you trying to do on those two plays? Uh, we ran a quarterback run on uh, third down. And, uh, again, it was safety that made the tackle is a guy we can't block. We were just outnumbered. I mean, there, there's everybody up. And then this is a trick play we've been working for a while. Uh, would have been a touchdown. There was nobody left if, if we get that ball to Isaac. Uh, unfortunately, Peeney, Peeney's made this throw perfectly to Jaron every time in practice and in the game. It just uh, didn't didn't make the throw that he's been making in practice. But yeah, no regrets at all. We, we, we're going to always... The play was there. Yeah, the play was there. We're always going to be aggressive. Uh, I have zero regrets about that. And... Uh, you know, and I still trust, I trust Peeney again. He's, I've seen him do that, make that throw a uh, hundred times in practice. We've, we've been carrying that play all year. It's, it's, been in the, it's been in the game plan since the first game. So when the first throws off a little bit, the second throws off yeah. a little bit, and that was that. And we had a plan. We said, hey, the first, fourth, and short of this game, we're calling it. And it was there. We told the players, right. and it was there. And uh, just didn't get it done, but no regrets at all. Uh, our opponents know they got to be ready for anything on fourth down against us, and you know, sometimes that'll help you get a get that one yard next time when you just hand it off and run it. Jaron took a hit in that play as well, and I think it was when he came up a little slow, and yeah. and I was worried. I w- were you worried at the same time? Uh, no, I wasn't worried. I mean, he he got a little hit, but it's football. You know, he's clearly he stayed in, and he's been he's been uh, you know playing uh, a more physical style the last several games, and and uh, I have a lot of confidence in him. Okay, did, did Puka give you a little bit of heartburn when he went down uh, late in the first <laughs> half? <laughs> uh, a little bit, but, you know, Puka <laughs> just practices so wild. I mean, that happens like three times a day in practice with him. He, we're always just like, hey, calm down a little. He plays so hard. Uh, we can be running routes versus air, and he's just going like, like crazy. And so, yeah, with him, you just always wonder. Like, he looks like he's going to hurt himself in everything he does. And he came off the field a little slow, went to the locker room early, I think, before halftime. And so I was like, okay, we're going to see him in the second half. We'll get to the point we actually did. Um, but both those guys took hits and kept on grinding, right? Yeah. So Yeah, they did. And like I said, Jaron's been playing a physical style lately. I mean, he's been running the ball for us and being aggressive. He hangs in there. He took a couple of hits where he held on to the ball to the last second and took the hit and made the throw. Uh, I was really proud of how he played. And then, uh, you know, uh, Puka, just, he's a wild man. He plays like a savage all the time. <laughs> Tyler Algier, uh, seven carries in the first half at almost seven yards a pop, got more than twice that number of carries in the second half. Was that a conscious decision or more related to score and situation that you could ride him a little more? And the fact you knew you could throw early on these guys. We wanted, to, we wanted to run him more in the first half. We just didn't have that many possessions. And the way they were playing us, the safeties were so low, it just they were just daring us to throw. So we were just throwing, and I just told them, like, your runs are coming, just wait. And, you know, and then second half, it, we got it going. We loosened up their secondary a little bit by throwing the ball down the field in the first half. And then, uh, of course, also having the two-score lead lends itself to handing the ball to Tyler. But 
the biggest thing in the first half was just, you know, not that many possessions. And then the other element of it is that late in games is when Tyler's done some of his best running. Absolutely. Guys have taken a few hits and he keeps on pounding. He gets stronger as the game gets longer as well. Yep. And uh, I'm sure you, maybe you were going to get to this, but another game where we end the game seven. We will. Yeah. Seven minutes, seven minute drive at the end of the game, you know, mostly featuring him. We will hit that. Time for a break. As we step away, we remind you that for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play, -play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time. Coming up in our final segment of this show and this season, how BYU finished off Georgia Southern and a look ahead to USC. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more Coach Roderick after this. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by... JCW's, the Burger Boys, BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event, and by Siegfried & Jensen, serving Utah families for over 30 years. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. We are with BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. BYU beats Georgia Southern 34-17 on the weekend. And the Cougs will be at USC this Saturday. Uh, a second half shutout for BYU, 14-0 in the second half. First TD of the second half was a Tyler Algier rushing score. I mentioned that because he extends his own BYU record. Uh, he's now had a rush touchdown in nine consecutive games. Yeah, he's doing a great job for us. And that, that, that first drive, uh, I was pleased that we scored on the first drive of each half. And also that, that, third, that first drive in the third quarter, we, we established the run again. Uh, you know, they loosened up a little bit, and we wanted to get Tyler going. We're going to throw up some numbers that show just how consistent Tyler has been. And uh, two games left. Luke Staley's single-season rushing record may be in play here uh, over these next two games, and that's, that stood for a while. Yeah, and that's pretty amazing because Luke Staley's probably the best football player I've ever seen <laughs> play. I mean, <laughs> he... he uh, it, He's, he was a phenomenal player and, and uh, somebody I know really well. And to think that Tyler's in that category is pretty awesome. And he helped you do at the end of the game what you alluded to before the break, and that is your final possession of the Georgia Southern game was seven minutes and 45 seconds of possession to end the game. No additional score needed at that yeah. point. You had the ball. Uh, you were going to end it by kneeling down, and the work was done. Yeah, and I, I love how our players have embraced uh, the, it's, we call it four-minute offense, but in this case it was seven eight. minute, seven, <laughs> yeah, almost eight-minute offense. Uh, but they've really embraced it. It's really fun. It's almost as fun as ending the game with a touchdown. It just, just ending the game on the field in victory formation and knowing that we just uh, crushed the clock. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we love it. We love it. And, and right after the game, that's what player, a lot of the players are talking about. You know, not the score or whatever is that hey we did it again we ended the game in victory and and uh seven minutes and 45 seconds off the clock was really cool began the game with a 12 play drive ended the game with a 12 play drive uh, i think it's the seventh time this year that we've ended Finished. the game in four minute offense yeah, yeah. working out really yeah. well let's get to your offensive players of the game before we wrap things up here today who'd you like uh yeah well thought mason wake uh Mason Wake played the best game he's played in his in his career here. He was very physical and just awesome all day long. And then Joe Tukuafu and Blake Freeland both also played their best games of their career. Uh, both of them graded out very high in the 90 percent, uh, somewhere in the 90s. And um, just thought Joe was super physical in the game, and, and Blake was just sound in every area, pass pass protection and run running 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 the ball. And uh, Again, I want to mention Mason Wake, how physical he was. You know, the game has kind of, it's not quite the same 
physicality that it used to be, mm -hmm. but Mason Wake is like pushing it to the limits every single snap with with just how tough he is and thought he played thought he played a great game. We have 60 seconds left in the show. Time enough for you to give us a couple thoughts about heading to the Coliseum to take on USC this Saturday. Well, just what you know, just what you know. I mean, they have really good football players in, on their roster. They're they're a deep, talented team. Um, and all we're going to do is just prepare like we're going to get their best shot. And, and um, you know, and it's great football environment to play in the Coliseum. And I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of our fans in the stands. And it would be great to be have a double-digit win season before the postseason. That would be something with the schedule. That, that would be. And that's, that's, uh, that, that getting the 10th win is, you know, regardless, it doesn't matter who the opponent is, getting a 10th win is a special accomplishment. And, and I really hope that our players, uh, you know, I hope they get it. I hope they get it. They deserve it. Well, good luck to you and the boys, and thanks to you uh, for a season on the Coordinator's Corner. Appreciate the insight as uh, you bring it to us every week. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon. See you soon. All right. Thank you, Aaron. That's Aaron Roderick, and that'll do it for this season of the Coordinator's Corner. For coaches Tuiaki, Lamb, and Roderick, I am Greg Grubel. Thanking you for joining us in 2021. We will see you next season. Go Cougs.